Hello and welcome to Giving Ventures, a podcast to help you grow your giving and change the world for the better. Each episode, we share innovative charitable efforts leveraging private philanthropy to solve public problems. I'm your host, Peter Lipset, Vice President at Donors Trust. This show is a product of Donors Trust, the oldest and largest donor-advised fund focused on helping conservative and libertarian donors of all capacities simplify, protect, and grow their giving. My colleagues and I talk with a lot of groups doing great work. This show lets us share a bit of what we learned with you so you can discover new projects for your own philanthropy. In our episode on new approaches to reducing poverty, we talked about an issue we on the liberty side of the ideas spectrum probably don't spend enough focus on. You could make the opposite argument for the issue of taxes, where we could easily be accused of spending way too much time. But taxes are a freedom issue. They are a personal empowerment issue. They are a how much control do we want the state to have over us issue. Taxes are always something worth discussing, but at the time we're recording this, taxes have really come center stage. The U.S. House has translated some of the Biden administration's tax proposals into an actual bill, and the Senate is hot on its heels. At Donors Trust, we've written and spoken about some of the proposals that would be most detrimental to taxpayers. Fortunately, the House bill didn't include some of the worst of these ideas, but that doesn't mean they're off the table. And as we'll highlight a little later in the show, it's valuable to understand the ways your charitable giving can be leveraged to mitigate some of these tax changes in ways that work out well for you, but also, and more importantly, for the organizations and causes you care about most. Today, we'll talk with leaders of three groups doing the hard work of reading and analyzing, translating and fighting the proposals in this never-ending battle over taxes. These are the happy warriors of the tax fight and I think you'll enjoy hearing about the important work they do. So let's get started. First up today is Scott Hodge, president of the Tax Foundation. Tax Foundation has long established itself as a neutral arbiter of analysis and information related to America's wacky tax system. Whenever news breaks on tax change proposals, you're likely to see Tax Foundation cited in more than one news outlet. When the House Ways and Means Committee dropped its massive tax proposal recently, The Tax Foundation jumped into action and is now working through the Senate version. Scott, give us the high-level view of what your analysis of this legislation discovered. Thanks, Peter. Uh, It's great to be with you and and Donors Trust. Um, We've been fans of of your work over the years and have worked very closely with you and Lawson, and uh, we appreciate uh, the opportunity to share these things with you and your your audience. Uh, We are facing one of the largest tax increases in American history, bar none. And uh, this is, we're looking at uh, currently about a $2.1 trillion tax increase over the next decade to partially, and I say partially, uh, fund a massive expansion of government. Uh, Something we probably have not seen since the New Deal, uh, if not the Great Society from Lyndon Johnson. And uh, again, it's 2.1 trillion worth of new taxes largely aimed at high income individuals raising the top individual tax rate from 37% to 39.6%, but adding a new surtax on incomes above $5 million of 3%. So now we're now looking at a top individual tax rate of about 46.4% at the federal level only. And when you add on state and local taxes in some states, such as New York City, you can have tax rates, marginal tax rates of over 61%. So we are really going back to the future here, back to an era in which we have not seen taxes this high before. 
And similarly, on the corporate side of the equation, where uh, the most recent Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 helped make the United States more competitive by cutting our corporate tax rate, this legislation would take us back to an era in which we had one of the highest corporate tax rates in the industrialized world. And in this case, uh, they're pushing the tax, uh, corporate tax rate from 21% uh, uh, to 26.5%, a very odd number. But when you add that to state and local taxes, that again pushes us up to nearly 32%, basically putting us on par uh, with uh, 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 very competitive countries such as Portugal and Colombia. So we'd have the third highest corporate tax rate in the industrialized world. So uh, this is really uh, setting back U.S. competitiveness and U.S. economic growth uh, by decades. And um, when we model this uh, using our very sophisticated uh, taxes and growth macroeconomic tax model, we find it'll reduce the size of the economy by about uh, one percent over time, cost the economy about 300, over 300,000 jobs, reducing incomes and so forth. More interestingly though, over this period of time, we, we anticipate that it would reduce overall economic growth by about twice as much as the new revenues that would be coming in. Meaning, in real dollar terms, we're set to lose about uh, $2 trillion worth of, of, of economic growth for about $1 trillion in net uh, revenues that this is expected to get. So this is bad for the economy, bad for U.S. Uh, competitiveness, and ultimately bad for every American. That, that's a lot of bad. A lot of bad. Uh, as... A lot of bad. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to start out on a bad note. Well, as so Donors Trust CFO Jeffrey Zizek uh, did some rapid analysis of his own in our blog last week, and he suggested that as bad as all of those proposals are, as you laid out, we're fortunate that perhaps it wasn't worse. Uh, there were yeah. some proposals such as stepped-up basis rules mm -hmm. that weren't in there. Do you think that's right to be at least, maybe not optimistic, but at least feel we dodged a bit of a bullet? Or is there another shoe ready to drop? Definitely, I think that the Senate bill, which could be coming out in a few weeks, will be much worse than what we've seen. Uh, Richie Neal, who is the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, is much more business friendly than his counterpart on the other side of the aisle or the other side of the, the Congress uh, in uh, Senator Ron Wyden. Uh, Senator Wyden is much more progressive. He very much dislikes capital income and has been trying to find ways to tax or double tax capital income over the last few decades uh, that he's been in, in Congress. Um, and he's floated some proposals recently which would add a mark to market for very wealthy individuals. Billionaires would pay uh, their capital gains on a mark to market basis or essentially annually rather than only when they're realized. Um, our model shows that such a plan would actually lose revenue because it would be such a high tax on capital gains that people would just simply reduce realizations. And we've seen that historically as well. He has other proposals that he's been floating, like a, a stock buyback excise tax for companies that buy back stock. They would have to pay an excise tax on that. A variety of uh, uh, new taxes aimed at highly compensated individuals, CFOs, CEOs, that types, and um, punish the, the companies that uh, overpay them. So those are the kind of things I would expect uh, from them. I don't expect uh, step up in basis to come back because we have seen such um, an uprising from the farm community, small businesses, and so forth, that even moderate de Democrats are saying, whoa, time out here. Uh, we don't think that we can support that kind of thing. So uh, we may be fortunate on that account, but um, 
Nonetheless, I would expect more bad things to come from the Senate. Now, you sent an email out with some of these findings the other day, Mm -hmm. and in that, you thanked the donor community for enabling you to create the TAG 2.0 general equilibrium model. Tell Mm -hmm. us what that is and how the donor community helped you get that created. Yeah, it really started more than a decade ago uh, when um, we were joined uh, or we kind of merged with another group called IRED, Steve Enton and the Institute for the Research on the Economics of Taxation have been building this little model. And it always been uh, within the free market community the desire to build a dynamic tax model, one that can actually not just measure how tax changes will affect revenues, that's what we call static analysis, and that's what uh, Congress's Joint Committee on Taxation does, but we really wanted a well-rounded analysis of the effects of these policies through a dynamic process in which we understand how the policies will affect individual behavior, business behavior, and ultimately understand how these policies would affect uh, GDP, uh, wages, capital investment, and uh, uh, mobility. And so we, over the last decade, thanks to so many donors and foundations that have have, uh, uh, underwritten this effort, we have one of the most sophisticated macroeconomic models anywhere. And it allows our economists to model these, these massive tax plans and understand how they're going to impact the economy, how they're going to impact wages and capital investment, and really give us that 360 picture of how these policies will affect the economy so that members of Congress are more educated and more informed about the full ramifications of these policies so they're not just doing it because, oh, we're going to raise uh, taxes, but they understand the consequences or the trade-offs of these policies. And so when I say that um, uh, the, it, this tax plan is going to cost the economy twice as much in, in economic growth as it's going to raise in revenues, it comes from our ability to do this through this model. And because of the investment that our donors have made, we are now able to do this very, very quickly, faster than any other group, including Congress's own Joint Committee on Taxation. You know, when this bill came out on, um, on September 13th, and within 72 hours, we had posted our results. And that's for a plan that has some new quirks, new, new types of taxes we hadn't seen before. But because we've made this so sophisticated and, and so nimble, and the fact that we can have about six people working on it all at once, we're able to churn out uh, these results uh, in record time and inform uh, the debate and actually move the debate. And that's, I think, what's so critical is that by producing this kind of information, we can change the narrative surrounding these proposals. So it's not all about taxing the rich, but this is the damage that it's going to do to the economy. And so we can turn the, the, the narrative back to the most important thing, and that is economic growth and how these patent policies are going to affect the overall economy. That's that's great. And that's so important to get that wide lens. I've always thought Congress should have a rule that bills have to show not just what's going to happen, but what the secondary and tertiary effects are going to be. Sounds like that's what this model's allowing you to to dive into. So as we wrap up here, my, my sense of the Tax Foundation has always been that your niche in the marketplace, where you really shine, is creating that intellectual ammunition that other groups can go out and work with uh, and take to the masses. It sounds like you're starting to to get a little beyond that and look a little beyond that. Is that right? Yeah, well, you're right. Our, our niche has always been producing sort of the, where they are, <laughs> somebody called us the arms dealer for the conservative free market movement, and that our research is then used by, you know, state-based think tanks, uh, groups here in Washington to push back on bad policy or, or, or promote good policy. 
But in the, in the last couple of years, we've really moved beyond that model into we are really a do tank uh, in that we are fully engaged at both the state, federal, and international level now um, in, in, in taking our information to where the debates are happening. But all, that also has to happen with a, a very uh, aggressive, creative, and full-fledged uh, marketing and communications program because we have to make sure that this great research gets in the hands of people who can uh, who matter. Uh, make sure that it gets into the hands of congressional staffers so that they can educate their bosses. Make sure it gets into the hands of influencers to make sure that our research gets in the hands of key journalists and reporters and so that we have great uh, relationships with the key tax reporters at the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal and so forth. But we also want to make sure that our, our research gets in the hands of average taxpayers to try to raise their tax IQ. And that means uh, advertising and promoting through Facebook, Twitter, other um, social media platforms. And we just started a brand new program, which uh, uh, we're really excited about, called TaxEDU. And uh, this is our multimedia uh, digital effort to raise tax literacy across the board and to raise America's tax IQ. Because what we find is that in far too many cases, it's people's lack of tax literacy that allows them to be bamboozled by political rhetoric. And what we're trying to do through raising people's tax IQ and tax literacy through tax EDU is inoculate them from this kind of political rhetoric so that they know that, the, that when uh, people say, oh, the rich don't pay their fair share, that people actually understand the rich are paying more than their fair share. And that corporations, real corporate taxes are paid by individuals and not corporations. And so we have a lot of work to do. Uh, there's no doubt about that because we have um, to overcome a, a, a lot of this lack of tax literacy. But it's an exciting new program that's bringing videos, uh, we have uh, on our website, we have a curricula that we're reaching out to university professors so that they can uh, use this in, in their, their classrooms. And then lastly, we have our own podcast, um, uh, which we call The Deduction. And it's a way of uh, talking about and getting more information uh, from experts about some of these key uh, policies. So it's a, it's a well-rounded uh, uh, program, and we're really excited about it. And uh, we think it has great opportunity to change the way people think about tax policy and hopefully, as I say, inoculate them from the kind of political rhetoric that leads us down the path we're at today. Scott Hodge, Tax Foundation, you all are doing great work. Appreciate you. you talking with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Peter. So we've done a bit of a deep dive analysis on the most pressing tax issue of the moment, but how do we get that information down to average folks? That is what National Taxpayers Union Foundation aims to do. It describes itself as helping taxpayers cut through the hype, be empowered to engage in the critical fiscal policy debates of our time, and hold elected officials accountable at every level of government. Pete Sepp is president of NTU and has been at the organization since 1988, so he has seen a lot change in the tax world. Pete, tell us a little bit about NTU Foundation's mission and how you're helping everyday taxpayers understand what all is going on. Well, many thanks for having me on, Peter. And I guess one of the best ways to describe National Taxpayers Union Foundation's mission is to talk about how we're educating, informing, and helping to analyze complex issues for the grassroots, because at the grassroots, there are a whole lot of weeds to have to try and wade through. And 
that's reflected in many of the projects of NTUF. It's also reflected in the projects where we are doing analysis and outreach to public officials as well. We have quite the number of activities underway. And we have launched these activities because back in 2014, when I was named president of the organization, one of the first questions we asked was, how do we compete in this space with what other organizations are doing? And the answer to that was simply don't. We need to provide services to our movement that no one else is providing, filling deficits in public education and analysis. And of course, we are all about addressing deficits, both at the fiscal level and at the leadership level. For example, we recognized that some of the most important decisions in Washington and at the state level are made when policymakers look at the score of a piece of legislation. How much spending is it going to mean over the long term? How much in revenue will it raise or reduce? Watching the scorekeepers is a vital activity. And that's why we formed the Taxpayers Budget Office to take a look at what the Congressional Budget Office is doing in estimating the fiscal impacts of bills, providing constructive criticisms of CBO's activities and mission so that we can improve the quality of information available not only to policymakers, but to taxpayers. Another project has to do with what we call the Interstate Commerce Initiative. There are plenty of think tanks that focus on federal policy, lots of others who focus on state policy, but how many are focusing on the interaction of states between and amongst themselves? And that can mean all kinds of important implications for taxpayers when a state tries to reach across its border and impose tax collection obligations on businesses or taxpayers in another state. We're studying and analyzing that and coming up with solutions to make sure that the principles of federalism are respected. Same with free trade. There are lots of outfits investigating the implications and principles behind trade policy, but how do you relate those to taxpayers? That's a really important question because after all, tariffs are taxes on the flow of commerce. Free trade initiative is trying to boil down to that question so that taxpayers and policymakers understand what's at stake with trade policy. And most recently, we just founded a, an entity called the Taxpayer Defense Center. What this is trying to do is engage in precedential public interest litigation on tax issues. Again, lots of public interest litigation going on in our movement, but very, very little on tax issues. And we're going to fill that gap. We've already been doing it for the better part of a year. And we have some exciting projects ahead associated with TDC. Yeah, I know the Taxpayer Defense Center has been a, a big initiative of yours. And we sat down and talked about it a couple of years ago when you were just launching it, seemed to really fill a void amongst all of these different litigation groups that are popping up everywhere now. Um, but So let's look to current events and, and your Taxpayer Defense Center. What are some of the areas you think the center is going to be jumping in based on some of these new proposals that are coming out? Yes, certainly there are lots of areas where we could. And 
One, for example, has to do with trying to peel back one of the IRS's layers of defense, which is uh, the Anti-Injunction Act. Basically, it's the Berlin Wall stopping taxpayer rights. Most taxpayers cannot enjoin the IRS from taking an unlawful act until that act actually takes place and the taxpayer has suffered an injury. We think the Anti-Injunction Act needs to be narrowed to tax controversies that are well-defined and that don't necessarily disadvantage taxpayer rights. And in the recent case called uh, CIC Services, we filed a friend of the court brief making some very cogent arguments regarding why the Anti-Injunction Act needs to be limited. The Supreme Court agreed. Well, there are other pieces of litigation happening now that might help us to open the door further to allowing taxpayers to assert their rights in court. There's a case in New York, for example, involving a penalty on uh, prescription drug manufacturers that has implications for anti-injunction and tax injunction act issues. And if you relate all of our projects really to the tax reconciliation bill going on in the House of Representatives and soon to be the Senate, you can see how all of our projects can interact with each other uh, with the taxpayer's budget office. There are questions of how Congress is scoring the revenue impact, not only of capital gains tax increases, but this new scheme to require reporting of bank transactions for every account in the United States above $600. Uh, those are very important questions. And we're out there with analysis that's indicating Congress is hoping for some pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And pots of gold are for leprechauns, not lawmakers. We need to have solid analysis and sober analysis. Same with the interstate commerce initiative. When you look at the state and local tax deduction uh, on the federal level and lawmakers are trying to get rid of the cap on that deduction, that was enacted in 2017. Well, part of the problem there is you have blue states with very high taxes wanting to lift that cap at the expense of red states, which have kept their taxes largely in check. I mean, the formula doesn't exactly work out to blue and red, but it is a question of states imposing their policy on each other. That's an important role. Same with the free trade initiative. Uh, we're going to be looking at carbon tariffs. That's a revenue raising device in some of these bills. We need to show that this tariff is going to be a tax and a highly unworkable one at that. And if all of this legislation passes and there are retroactive provisions in there, Taxpayer Defense Center will be ready to challenge them in court. I love that. I love how all those different pieces work together and towards this common goal. And, and you have another tool in your arsenal as well. I mean, obviously the focus at Donors Trust is on 501c3 tax deductible organizations such as the tax, National Taxpayers Union Foundation. But like so many organizations in the liberty movement, you also have a 501c4 that can do issue activism and, and engage the grassroots a bit. How does the C4 complement all that research and education work at the foundation? 
well, our C4 National Taxpayers Union is able to put some ideas into action on a peer-to-peer -peer legislative level. By that, I mean, we have not only former state public officials on our staff, but former congressional staffers who are able to communicate directly with people on Capitol Hill and in state capitals in a language that they're familiar with. And that helps to get a seat at the table, so to speak, when policy is being made. And that's a vitally important gap to fill in our movement. The fact is that we have lots of organizations who are able to gin up grassroots petitions, who are able to organize hill visits of citizens, who are able to write op-eds, get on broadcast media. National Taxpayers Union does quite the number of those things, but what it can also do is get inside the room, walk those halls where decisions are being made. And uh, that is what we believe to be a very vital contribution to the limited government movement. That's great. Well, Pete Sepp, president of National Taxpayer Union, National Taxpayer Union Foundation, appreciate your time on this. My pleasure. Before we get to our final guest, I want to note that if you're looking for ways to reduce your own tax burden, consider how a donor-advised fund can help. I know you're charitable. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't. By coupling your charitable impulse with a donor-advised fund, you get a tool that can help you give in a simple and tax-friendly way. Donate appreciated assets, such as stocks, to your fund. Take the deduction at the full value, and instead of paying capital gains tax, you'll maximize your giving to charity. Likewise, as marginal tax rates increase, your donation into a fund can help you offset that tax burden. Plus, a donor-advised fund like those we offer at Donors Trust can be a charitable beneficiary of planned giving tools, such as a charitable remainder trust. Couple the tax savings with the principled partnership you get with Donors Trust, and you can maximize your charitable giving while minimizing your taxes. Visit DonorsTrust.org and explore the many ways we can be a partner in your philanthropy. And with that, let's get back to our happy tax warriors. A lot of the discussion so far has centered on work at the federal level, so let's zoom down to see what's going on in the states. Five years ago, Ohio's Buckeye Institute launched its Economic Research Center to do reliable research and custom dynamic modeling on tax and energy, on healthcare and other policy areas. Buckeye isn't simply doing this to serve the folks of Ohio, though. In fact, the center at Buckeye has become an important go-to source for many of the state think tanks looking for an analytical partner in weighing policy proposals in their own states. Since 2016, in fact, the center's work has saved taxpayers in 10 states more than $3.1 billion. Joining me is Ray Hederman, the executive director of the Economic Research Center at Buckeye. Ray, the center touches all sorts of issues, but let's mostly stick with taxes today. Tell us about the services the center offers and how you work with other states. Yeah, thank you for having me, Peter. So when the Economic Research Center was founded, our president, Robert Alt, realized that you know, state lawmakers did not have access to a lot of the resources available at the federal level. Uh, we were fighting uh, laws at states that said, 
government spending produces economic growth. We know that's just wrong. So at the ERC, we want to take empirical research to be able to give lawmakers a better perspective on what their policy proposals really do. So what our team does with a bunch of economists on staff, we will take a look and say, what is the impact of this proposed tax increase? How is this going to affect the state's economy? How many jobs are going to be lost because you're raising taxes? Or in better cases, like we experienced here in Ohio, you know, we take a look and say, Ohio wants to cut taxes. What is the best bang for the buck in terms of job growth, GDP performance we can get for these tax cuts? And we've been able to work with a lot of partners across the state level to give them the information they need to fight people promoting big government policies or higher taxes to promote big government spending. So let's dive into some of the examples. Uh, I know you've had some great wins. Like I said, 10 states, $3.1 billion saved. Tell us about some of these yeah, partnerships. Yeah, sure. So uh, in 2019, you know, Alaska had a tough budget year. You know, A lot of their revenues were dependent on uh, the oil and gas industry. And so they had about a $1.6 billion shortfall. Uh, Governor Mike Dunleavy had proposed filling this shortfall by doing prudent things of cutting government spending. Unfortunately, you know, some academics uh, at some of the universities in Alaska didn't like seeing their colleges have spending cuts. So they started attacking the government's plan, saying, look, government spending is the key to economic growth. And, you know, the government of Alaska does not have the capacities we have here at the ERC with dynamic modeling. So thanks to our friends and partners at uh, Alaska Policy Forum, Alaska state-based think tank, we started doing dynamic analysis of the proposed tax increase. For example, one of the proposals was a progressive income tax with a top rate of 7%. Uh, that's even higher than the tax rate we have here in Ohio. That's now less than 5%. We looked at this and this proposal would cost hundreds of millions of dollars and thousands of jobs in Alaska. Uh, same thing again with like an idea that they should create a new state sales tax. So we were able to take a look at proposed bills in the state legislature equip the Alaska Policy Forum with real information they were able to use uh, to fight back some of the commentary coming from the growth side that wanted more government spending, more taxes. And the governor was very appreciative because we were able to work with his staff as well, take a look at some of the dynamic scenarios they wanted to do. He had a very gracious thank you in, in his proposed budget. And as a result, Alaska still does not have a state income tax, still does not have a state sales tax, thanks to a lot of the hard work we're able to do to support the idea of if you're having a budget deficit, let's get spending cuts first because that saves money. On the other hand, you know, we just got to partner with our friends uh, down south in Louisiana. Uh, they were looking at the best way to have revenue neutral tax reform. You know, how can you cut taxes uh, that are the most impediment to economic growth and pay for them through getting rid of some bad tax policies? Uh, we were able to provide them examples and say, look, Let's get rid of taxes on these businesses, because if you're taxing business and franchise wealth, that's really your job killers. You're discouraging businesses from expanding. You're discouraging them from being able to hire new workers. They were able to communicate uh, this information to Louisiana lawmakers. And as a result, Louisiana got the recommendations that Pelican and the ERC came up with. And now Louisiana has better tax policy by eliminating their state franchise tax. Those are big wins, and I'm sure there's more to come in the future. I want to ask you about how the center is going to continue to grow. But first, if a state think tank is interested 
in working with you? What does that look like? How do they go about partnering? Yeah, we've had great word of mouth from uh, the nine other states that we partner with, and including uh, Ohio being the 10th. And so they'll sit there and they say, look, we have an idea. We have a tax fight coming up. How can you help us? Uh, we have an energy fight, for example. You know, we have uh, people that want to support uh, uh, green vehicles. Uh, how can we fight that back? And we're able to sit there and talk to them about what a partnership looks like, being able to co-brand with another state think tank if they prefer, and give them the real-time information so they can have an impact in these policy fights, be able to communicate effectively with state media, state lawmakers, to give them cutting-edge resources, uh, so then go toe-to-toe -to -toe with proponents of big government. Um, and so, you know, what we've seen right now is that we're also, Peter, we're also having a lot of a, a repeat business where some of our friends, you know, uh, have sat there and said, we get, did great work on tax reform two years ago. This is what we want to do this year. And so that's when able, we've been able to build our clientele. And as a result, we're taking on more projects and we're doing different projects. It, primarily, we started with tax, but because there's so much demand, we have been able to expand in areas of energy and healthcare policy because state lawmakers really need good analysis that takes into the account the impact of taxes and the inefficiencies of government spending. We hear from donors all the time do these organizations work together? Are they working together? Are they talking to each other? This is a great example of organizations working together and reaching out and collaborating. Yeah, Peter, if you, uh, I invite everybody to come to our website, buckeyeinstituteorg slash Economic Research Center, and you can see our partnership papers, you know, that are co-branded. Uh, and the reason is because we know that states think tanks really have that great connection with state lawmakers. And we want points on the board. You know, uh, when Robert Alt brought me on board, we wanted to make a difference to make sure that states could fight for lower taxes, create the most prosperity possible. And being able to partner uh, with a lot of these great state think tanks has been uh, 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 more successful, I think, than either one of us realized in such a short period of time. Is there any policy area you see in the future that you're not doing much of now? Yeah, I think, you know, there are two areas. Uh, so we're, uh, one of our economists now is specializing in energy economics, and we've done some, as I mentioned, on energy. We want to continue to look into that space uh, because, you know, you see things going on in Washington with the Green New Deal. And while primarily have been working a lot with state think tanks, occasionally, you know, we have to look at what's going on at the federal government level. Uh, if the federal government takes a look and passes some of these massive plans that's going to be coming down, that's going to be putting unfunded mandates on states. We need to have an answer on how much this is going to cost the state in taxes, what's that going to do to their economy. And those are the fights that we look forward to having in the future. Ray Hederman from Buckeyes Economic Research Center. Appreciate all the good work you all are doing and keep it up. Thank you for having me, Peter. Appreciate it. Taxes aren't something most of us want to spend a great deal of time thinking about. And so I'm particularly delighted you stuck with us to hear all of these guests. Even though they're talking taxes, perhaps it's their enthusiasm for the fight that kept you listening. I know it's encouraging to me. And I'm glad Tax Foundation, National Taxpayers Union Foundation, the Buckeye Institute, and so many other groups are spending time wrestling to connect the cold numbers with the real-life impacts everyone faces as a result of tax decisions. Tinkering with the numbers has secondary and tertiary consequences. These groups, and many others working to advance liberty, know this. And I am grateful for these happy warriors working to understand and communicate the human effects of taxing choices. 
at donorstrust.org podcast. You can find links to these organizations and the work they're doing. Also, I truly would value your thoughts on this episode. As we continue this experiment with podcasting, your perspectives will help make it better. Email tellmemore at donorstrust.org and let me know what you think. I'd love to hear it. Really, thank you for listening, and thank you for being a giver. Let's talk more soon. <laughs>